Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro Podcast. I am Shauna Simawang. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so they can be more effective in their jobs. Today, I'm excited to have Georgia join us from Lever. I'd love for you to just kind of give us a brief introduction to yourself, your role, and your organization. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, I am the Global Director of Sales Enablement here at Lever, and uh, we are a uh, talent relationship management company. And we pride ourselves in really providing the software platform that encourages and enables a best-of-class experience both for companies and candidates looking to join a new company. So happy to be here with you. So at the Sales Enablement Soiree, you talked about an initiative in which you identified four competencies that are indicative of what good selling looks like for your salespeople. I'd love for you to share with our audience kind of what those four competencies are. Absolutely. So the initiative was born from a very simple question that the team was not able to answer, which was how are sales reps onboarding? Uh, And it seems like a simple enough question, but uh, if you don't have a framework in place, it's difficult to give real metrics around it. So the team huddled and the competencies that we came up with were uh, born from the work that we did in looking at what does a successful salesperson at this company do and when do they need to do these things or know these things in their 90 day or so onboarding and so the competencies that we uh, came up with were uh, their ability to uh, demonstrate the product their ability to articulate the uh, first call deck or call it your value proposition their ability to identify a champion and then further test and validate that champion, Uh, their ability um, around sales execution, how well were they able to manage both the internal uh, workings of our company as well as manage the sales process from uh, the prospect's point of view. I think that those are definitely a good top four for people to keep in mind. Um, How did you actually go about kind of identifying those as the core competencies that lead to success within your organization? Many, many whiteboard and uh, post-it note sessions. So it was interesting to have these kinds of conversations with my team. I was fortunate to have a really great team that ran our sales boot camps and was very involved in the post boot camp certification. So they understood the amount of work that went into getting folks ready to be in the field. And what came out of those initial conversations was a realization that at the end of the day, a person's ability to nail that first call deck was not going to be a clear indicator of their future success. Uh, In fact, um, first call, and that was actually one of the criteria, the early criteria was their ability to, um, to handle a first call or first meeting really, and how they manage that. So in doing so then, once we understood that, we took a step back and said, okay, well, what are the things that sales reps need to learn and do 
uh, as part of a sales process. So what I did is I mapped out our actual sales process, and then we asked ourselves, what are folks actually doing and saying throughout the sales process? And that's how you came to the competency. So for example, in order for someone to be able to give a good first call pitch about the company, they have to have a clear understanding of our messaging, what it is that we do, a comfort level with the problems that we solve, and a good understanding of the people that we sell to. Then you start mapping out when do they need to know this by. And then you move on to, okay, so now they've engaged this uh, prospect and they're interested. Now they're going to need to show them something. So what do they need to do and know in order to do that? And that's when you move into, well, their ability to demonstrate, you know, requires them to have a keen understanding of our product, how to use it, a good feel for navigating the product, and how to tell the story around it. And, and we just continued along this exercise and basically modeled our sales process as the single source of truth and then mapped that out over a three-month period. The nice thing about competencies is I'll tell you that from a scoring perspective, we were very transparent with our new hires and with the sales managers that this wasn't a means of performance management, but rather it enabled us to hone in on the areas of um, opportunity for growth within their onboarding. And so what that meant is that when we're hiring folks, not everybody's coming in with the same competencies or experience. So you may have some people that are much better at the product that they are messaging or they're really good at sales execution and um, and champion building, but not yet quite where you need them to be on messaging. So you'd bring them through their uh, boot camp or sales camp, whatever you're calling it, and at the end, we would, with the manager, they would sit down and they would score the new rep on their, um, on a scale of one to five, where were they on these five competencies? And then every you know, two weeks or a month, depending on your sales organization, you keep scoring. And so what happens then is you might have someone that is really good at one particular competency early on, and so you begin to focus your efforts on the areas that they really need help in. And so that way it's not a catch-all for everybody, but you can begin to customize this person's individual onboarding, but within a very clear framework. Um, and so what we found is that when we first launched the, um, the criteria or the competencies to the sales managers and we asked them to begin scoring, the first couple of scorecards that we received, we, we knew were not going to be very accurate because the sales managers for the first time were being asked to observe their people through a specific lens, right? And so now when they were observing their people, they were doing so thinking about, you know, oh, okay, we're in a demonstration. Let me be mindful of this criteria and then be able to better understand and report back on how they actually are doing in a demonstration. Or I'm having a one-in-one -in -one with them on a deal review uh, and the champion building came up. So let me be mindful of that so that I can better score them and know whether they are at the level that they should be or if this is something we need to work on. So all of a sudden it created a greater awareness and um, 
framework for the managers to be able to really start to understand where their sales reps needed greater help. Um, and so that's, that's how it started. No, I love that. And I think um, you, you touched on this quite a bit, how important the partnership is with frontline sales managers. Now, how do you ensure that the frontline sales managers are really holding their salespeople accountable to those competency expectations? That is a, something that we in the sales enablement profession, I think, think about a lot because you've, you've probably heard this said many, many times, there's a difference between being responsible for sales and being responsible to sales. Sales enablement as a function is responsible to sales, but sometimes that line gets blurred. So to the extent that my job is to ensure that the sales managers have the tools, the knowledge, and I try and facilitate as much as I can um, their desire to want to hold people accountable, at the end of the day, it's really up to them, and that falls um, kind of under the purview of, of sales management. Now, what I will tell you is the way that I incentivize them or keep people motivated to do it is, you know, kind of tap into that competitive nature that they have. Uh, because this is all very transparent and non-performance focused, um, you know, you're able to share it as a team. And if you have tools uh, where, for example, you're recording calls or there's an opportunity to stack rank people or have contests, then all of a sudden they become a bit more engaged around how these skills actually show up in um, performance, how they show up in contests, how they show up in deals that people are winning or losing. And so they start to get interested. And I find that with sales managers, the further I can move away from enablement and training and more into the actual functional aspects of their jobs around how does this impact my ability to help my rep make their number. Everything has to go back to how is this going to impact them make their number? How do we impact revenue? How do I increase productivity? All of that. And so as long as my programs are aligned to that shared goal, it's usually pretty easy for them to hold their reps accountable um, because it's not about the competency itself, right? If you focus on the competency, you're focusing on the wrong thing. What you should be focusing is on the end result or impact that a high functioning person on that competency should be exhibiting because that's really the, the trigger or the goal you know, I, if I have a sales rep that's five across the board and on a PIP, who am I helping, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what I want to see is that reps that are exhibiting the right kinds of behaviors are the ones that we determine to be right, that there's a direct correlation between that competency level and their performance. So you have to have that performance as the flip side of that coin. Otherwise, it's just, you know, enablement, padding, you know, patting ourselves on the back that we put out this great framework or we did this great training. I don't care about any of that, to be honest. I want to see a link to bottom line results, real measurable business results. And that's what drives me as an enablement leader and also then uh, creates a much easier <laughs> relationship with my sales managers because honestly, we're on the same page. 
I think that's that's perfect. And I, I want to come back to that point around kind of linking some of these efforts to performance. Um, but let's talk a little bit uh, first about uh, kind of the personal element of developing training and the importance of empathy. Um, so you had mentioned at the Sales Enablement Soiree that it's really important to, to leverage empathy when developing training. So what are some best practices for ensuring that training programs resonate with your audience? First and foremost, know who your audience is. Uh, be aware of the calendar cadence of your company. Um, you know, it would be crazy for me to be scheduling uh, trainings or anything of importance the last you know week of the month or week of the quarter or end of the year so I want to be mindful of timing first and foremost secondly I'm I uh, when I think about empathy it's about understanding what's in it for the people that I'm going to be providing a service to uh, and so from that point of view um, I have a much better chance of um, of delivering content with real value because it's not about the content itself. Again, it's about the outcome. So I always coach myself and, and my subject matter experts, what is it that you would like for your audience to know or do as a result? And if I find that the result that they're looking for really has nothing to do with the audience and really more what they want to get out of it, then I can coach them into finding, you know, is there really something that is of value for, um, for the sales organization? Um, or is this something that is really more what management needs? And sometimes you need to do that as well, but it enables me to frame it differently. Um, and so that's really when I talk about empathy is, is not putting my function as an enablement leader before the needs of the sales organization or of the organization as a whole, and really removing myself from the equation um, and leveraging the people that I'm supporting as much as possible and in many cases really working with them and putting them uh, in front and me behind them supporting them and I found that to be a really great way to build um, good empathetic cross-functional empathy and uh, collaboration because it, it really shouldn't be about us as individual enablement leaders or enablement teams um, we should almost be transparent to this organization that is really coming together and doing the work and you're there facilitating it and really curating it for them. I love taking that lens through it, um, and I think that especially kind of with a sales audience, you know, the whole what's in it for me framework um, really often works well with them. In addition to that, how do you help ensure that the salespeople actually retain what is learned during a lot of these training and onboarding boot camps? I think every topic is a little bit different in terms of how you can validate that they've come away with something or that they are actually going to have to do something. You know, if it's a tools training or a skills training, generally what I've found is um, if you're lucky enough to have enablement tools where you can, for example, if I'm launching a new messaging or deck that's coming from marketing, um, you know, having the sales reps be able to record themselves and then be coached on it. And then that's phase one. Uh, and then phase two is creating trackers in one of your, you know, recording tools um, to be able to then 
validate that in the field on a prospect call, uh, they are practicing those same principles that they are saying the words that we need them to say. That's the in-field validation that means the most um, because folks may or may not perform well in a, a curated environment, right, like a training environment. Um, and it, their ability to do it really, really well in a session or in a recording, to me, may not necessarily translate to their ability to do it live on a call. Um, and so that really, that second validation, where they're doing it in the field, is tremendously helpful. And technology supports that a lot. Because in the past, we really needed to rely heavily on our sales managers because they're the ones that are on these calls. Not all of them, but many of them. Um, and the problem with that is that when sales managers on calls, unless they are purposefully attending that call to be the observer and coach for their sales rep, um, they're not really paying attention as much to that and their focus is more on how do I move this deal forward. So my ability to be able to listen to calls, validate that they're doing it, provide coaching while the sales manager is doing their role um, kind of enables us to, to work in parallel. Um, and, and that's really how I, I currently manage. And so technology is, is incredibly valuable. Um, there's lots of ways that you can do it without, but it certainly makes a big difference and I feel accelerates our ability to get people where they need to be and validate that they're actually doing it either through recording their screen when they're doing demonstrations or giving them, um, you know, hey, I was on a call, I heard this objection, how would you handle it? And then have them come back to you with that response. Um, it needs to be experiential, it needs to be real, it needs to feel like something that the sales reps are going to, to be able to do and use. Um, so that's, that's how I like to validate that they're actually doing it. Yeah, I think that that's very valuable. And I also think going back to kind of what we we're talking about linking kind of competency to uh, performance improvement, I'd love to kind of just close out this conversation by understanding how you measure the success of your training programs. I think there's two parameters. There's my own personal validation that I've been successful if I've set out to build an onboarding program or put together learning series. So, so there's the basic function of enablement. Have I set up those frameworks, right? Um, but the most important part and the part that I really work to focus on is actually the expected outcomes of the programs. And so for any uh, for every initiative that I put out, particularly the bigger ones, the smaller ones not so much, what am I expecting to see as a result? And they should be hard metrics, whether it's a, a reduction in ramp time or an increase in ARR or a, um, you know, you build a really strong onboarding program, I would like to be able to see a reduction in uh, regrettable turnover, right? Uh, does my program, can it have an impact on our attrition rate, good or bad? And so for me, a successful uh, enablement program, I want to be able to see measurable impact on the business. Because like I've said, at the end of the day, the number of people that have been through an e-learning or the number of people that have sat through different webinars or trainings, those are important statistics to have, but they don't mean anything 
if I can't correlate those activities to real measurable business impact. That's how I judge myself. I am first and foremost always a salesperson. Uh, I started in sales and I never left. And so I have this love and passion for the profession and for the people that continue to do it and that's what drives me. And so I continue to be very uh, focused on business results and I align my program with that. That's where actually I start. Well, I think that's great advice for our audience. Thank you so much, Georgia, for joining us today. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. To our audience, thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you'd like to share or a topic you'd like to learn more about, let us know. We'd love to hear from you.